Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au for leading us in worship even this morning. So good to have you in church. So good to be gathered together here together. If you have your Bibles, Psalm 24, we're going to read together. Psalm 24. Psalm 24. The Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Well, who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is He, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. And so, Father, we just thank You for this opportunity to gather as the church. Father, we sense Your presence during the worship. And, Father, we just thank You that we've gathered and we're hungry for a word from you today. We're hungry that uh, to hear of your word, Lord God, in the midst of all the words, to hear the word of the Lord. Come by your spirit, I pray. Let there be nothing in me that hinders this word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. And I just thank you, Father, that there's a spirit of revelation here to be able to understand your word today. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. This is the final message uh, in the series, His Glory Appears. Um, This morning, I want to look at how we can individually experience uh, the glory of God. If there's something that we need more than anything else, it's the glory of God. If there's something that we need more than anything else in the house of God, it's the glory of God. We need the presence of God in our lives and in the life of the church. It's what makes the church different. It's what distinguishes the church from every other organization, every other community group that exists in our society. It's the presence of God and it's the glory of God. It's what brings us back week in and week out. We come back not necessarily to hear the worship or to get a good coffee or, you know, to listen to this guy. We come back week after week because we want to hear the voice of the Lord because we believe that God could touch us and speak to us in some way. Key verse for this series is the words of Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. How true that is. And thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. In the midst of all the darkness that is happening around us, the church ought to be experiencing the glory of God, ought to be a light in the darkness. And that's what we want more than anything else. Last week I said uh, in Hebrew, uh, the word for the glory of God is kabod, 
and it means heaviness or weightiness. It means reverence or awe. It's a great description of what happens when the glory of the Lord is present. There's a sense of awe. Uh, There's a sense of reverence. There's a sense of expectation that God is about to do something. But there is another meaning to the word kabod. And that's what I want to speak about today. Because I believe it's the key to entering into the presence of God, to experiencing the glory of God. Second meaning of the word kabod is praise be to the Lord. Key to accessing the glory of God is worship. Uh, The Bible says that God dwells in the praises of His people. That as we begin to worship, that as we begin to praise, God begins to come and dwell amongst His people. Praise and worship is not just something we do to fill in the gaps in a service, to fill in some time so we don't have to listen to me for, you know, longer. We, 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 We worship because as we worship, we connect with the presence of God. Or, the, or throughout Scripture, we see examples of our worship releases the presence of God. How worship releases the glory of God. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, after the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, who will be the first to go up and fight, up, fight, us against, uh, fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have given the land into their hands. They had a land that had been promised to them but they still had to take possession of the land. God had, God had promised the land. God had promised uh, uh, the promised land to them, but they had to still go in and actually take possession of that land. And God said, who, and the people said, who, sh- who shall we send? God said, send Judah, which means praise, first to fight the battle. If you're engaged in any kind of battle, let praise lead the way. If you're, if you're engaged in some kind of battle in your heart and in your mind, let begin to praise the Lord because something happens as we begin to worship the Lord. As we praise the presence of God, the glory of God comes and helps us in our time of need. You know, the story of Jehoshaphat uh, and how he faced a mighty army and they didn't know what to do. And as they were praying, God spoke to them through the prophet and said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. This is a word for someone here today. You're facing a battle, whatever it might be. It might be in your heart. It might be around you right now, but you're facing a battle. Here's the word of the Lord to you. It says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours. It belongs to God. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out of the, at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. And here it says, as they began to sing and praise, as they started to worship the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. These guys had to walk something like 20 kilometers to the battlefield. You know, you could just imagine, you know, the choir, they would have thought, well, we're about to go into battle. And they would have thought, well, we're the last ones on the list. You know, they're going to send their, their mighty men. And all of a sudden, Joseph says, now, nah, choir, you come. You're actually going to lead this battle. Can you imagine how they were feeling? Can you imagine that walk? Who knows, you know, what was going on in their minds? They're worshiping God, but they got to walk 20 kilometers to the battleground, to the battlefield. And they began to worship God and they said, you're going to see us through. They were singing, praising the Lord. Your love endures forever. 
They, 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 they began to worship the Lord and they began to glorify God. And the Bible says that as they began to worship the Lord, as they started to sing, as they started to praise God, that the Lord set ambushes ahead of them and defeated the enemy. The power of worship to defeat the enemy. We see examples of this in the New Testament. The Bible says in Acts, um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Look at what happened as they were worshiping the Lord. As they worshiped, the Holy Spirit began to speak. Never underestimate the power of worship. Never underestimate what we do as we begin to worship and to be, be able to glorify God. Here's a great example. Here's a, here's a different example. As they worshiped, God began to speak. Maybe you need a word from God this morning. Maybe you need some wisdom from God. Maybe you need a word about a situation that you're facing. Can I tell you one of the ways that we can access that word of God is by beginning to worship the Lord. We also know the story of Paul and Silas who were in prison and it was dark and gloomy and it was a hopeless situation. The Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas were whinging and whining. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says about midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them and suddenly, I love the word suddenly in the Bible, it, it comes every so often and suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains were loose. As they were praying and singing unto the Lord, suddenly the glory of the Lord came in amongst them and set them free from their chains. I don't know, but maybe you feel like you're in a dark place right now. Maybe you, you feel like you're in a, in a prison cell and, and you just can't see a way out of it. Can I encourage you to begin to worship the Lord? Because He can see you through. One final example of how worship brings the presence of God comes from the story of Jonah. Jonah was commanded to go to Nineveh. He disobeys, goes in the opposite direction. He's in a boat and there's a storm and they throw him overboard. And he's swallowed by a fish. And the Bible says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. But I will sing a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out of its mouth. That would have been very smelly just for the record. Some of us feel like we're in the belly of a whale and it feels like this is the end. And the Bible says that Jonah offers a song of thanksgiving. And as he worshipped, as he began to worship, the glory of the Lord came into the belly of the whale and God intervened in that situation. And God intervened. Can I, that's the power of worship. That's the power of praise. Something happens as we begin to praise God. Something shifts as we begin to worship God. Something shifts in our hearts. Something shifts in our mind. But something begins to shift in the spiritual realm. As we begin to give thanks unto the Lord, as we begin to sing unto God and declare the praises of God, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love, His mercy endures forever. 
It's a declaration of praise that shifts something in our hearts and in our lives. It shifts our focus away from what we're going through. It begins to shift our focus towards God. And as that happens, God's glory comes and God begins to intervene in our situation. Never underestimate the power of worship. We've been speaking about the glory of God. We've been speaking about the presence of God and how more than anything else, what the church needs, it's the presence of God. How more than anything else, what we need is the glory of God amongst us. Thank God for everything that we have. Thank God for the many blessings. But what the church needs, especially in the day that we're living today, we need a demonstration of the, of the glory of God amongst us. And how does that come? One of the keys to accessing the glory of God is to begin to worship. It's to be a worshiper. It's not just worship, but be a worshiper. Be someone who begins to glorify the King of Kings. Question is, how can we experience that for ourselves? It's one thing to experience the glory of God in a corporate setting, but how can we experience the glory ourselves? Well, one of the ways is through worship. Psalm 24 gives us some insight into how we can experience God's glory through worship. And just, and just by the way... Uh, you know, the, the, the worship is described in the first commandment, which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's essentially what worship is. It's an expression of our love for God. It's I love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that's what worship actually is. Psalm 24 gives us a bit of insight into how we can experience God's glory through worship. Psalm 24 is a psalm that celebrates the glory of God. It's believed it was written by David uh, to celebrate the return of the ark in Jerusalem. And for 70 years, the ark of the covenant had been away and David wanted to bring it back into Jerusalem. Uh, and David was not so much interested in the ark, but he longed for what it represented, the glory of God and the presence of God. David, after a series of delays, finally saw the ark come into Jerusalem. And the Bible says, David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and, and the sound of trumpets. It was an incredible time of joy as the ark of the covenant was being brought in to Jerusalem uh, to be set in the tabernacle there. And, and I believe that there's a deeper meaning in this particular text. It's a psalm that can help us all experience the glory of God. So I want to share a, a, a few thoughts here out of, out of this text. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time of worship as we bring uh, this service to a close a, a, a later. So let me, let me just share a few thoughts about how uh, we can experience the glory of God in our own lives. First of all, if we're going to experience the glory of God, the first thing that we need to do is begin to praise God. It just begins by praising God and by worshiping God. Psalm begins with praise. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. How does worship begin? It, it, begins, it, it begins by praise. It begins by declaring praise unto God. It begins by declaring who God is. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. It's just a powerful declaration. It's saying, God, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. Look through the Bible and you will see, again and again, you'll see that, uh, you know, whenever the people of God were in a bind, they would begin to pray. And they always began prayer with worship. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a desperate situation, the first thing I do, I don't do any of that other stuff. I go straight to the need. I go, God, I need this. I need X, Y, and Z. 
by this particular, anybody with me? I need this, this, by, I got no patience. I need this, I need that, I need it by such and such a time. So God, help me, they're screaming out to God. You read from the Old Testament, they never did that. They first started by praise. They started by declaring who God was, who God, what God had done and his character and nature. They began by worshipping the Lord. It's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It, the, the, the Lord's Prayer begins with worship. It begins by declaring God and who He is. Lord, you are sovereign. You are great. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then the rest of the prayer begins to follow. And here we see Psalm 24 beginning with praise. David said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts, how? With praise. How do we enter into the holy of holies that represents the presence of God and the glory of God? We enter with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You don't enter his courts with whinging. You don't enter his courts with, with, with whining. You don't enter his courts with complaining. You enter his courts with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you're a good God. Lord, I thank you for your many blessings, Lord God. You're an amazing God. You're a gracious God. And, 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 and as you begin to do that, you enter into the presence of God. David knew how to worship God. He said, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. There it is again. And extol him with music and song. The music and the songs is an expression. It's a vehicle that allows us to express our worship to God. For the Lord is the great God, the, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Just, just notice, notice, hey God, this is who you are. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Psalm 104, praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with garment. He stretches out his heavens like a tent. Praise the Lord, all my soul. It's David speaking to himself. Praise the Lord. Come on, soul. Why don't you begin to praise the Lord? Come on, soul. Why don't you begin to worship the Lord? Why don't you begin to glorify God? Sometimes we need to start to encourage ourselves. Sometimes we need to speak to ourselves and say, come on, begin to worship the Lord. Begin to praise God. How do we experience the glory of God? It begins by declaring praise to God. Second thing that we need to do to experience the glory of God is purify our hearts. Starts with praise and then we purify our hearts. Psalmist is saying not only we need to praise God, but we need to deal with the attitudes of our hearts. Psalmist asks the question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? In other words, who may enter into the presence of God? Who can meet with God? Who is worthy to meet with this amazing or glorious or powerful God? He goes on to say, who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, swear by what is false. So as we begin to worship God for who he is, one of the next things that begins to happen, listen carefully, church, one of the next things that begins to happen is God begins to look inside of our hearts. Integral to true worship is a clean life. It's a pure heart. It's internal. It's, it's something about what happens inside of us. And David asked, who can get to this holy hill? The person who not only praises God, 
but understands the righteousness of God and there's a reverence for the holiness of God. I'm not just going into the presence of who knows who. I'm going into the presence of an almighty or reverent God. He says, he who has clean hands. Now that what the, what the Bible is saying here is before you enter the presence of God, you need to sanitize. That's what it's saying. Just get a bit of, is that what it's saying here? It's not speaking about it's good to sanitize, especially today. It's very important, but it's not talking about clean hands. What it's speaking about here is saying whose actions are right, whose hands are not dirty. It's speaking about what we do with our hands. Who has clean hands? It, 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 it's, it's speaking about what we do. Not only clean hands, but a pure heart. That speaks about our intentions and our motivation. Sometimes you can do things because you have to do it, but not because you want to do it. Or you can do certain things, but with the wrong motives or the wrong attitudes. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol. In other words, who's loyal to God. His, loyal, his loyalty is undivided to God. He doesn't look to an idol for anything else, his whole worship is towards God, whose words are pure and doesn't swear by what is false. It speaks about the heart. It speaks about the condition of the heart. We don't come to God with irreverence. We come with a desire to be right with God. This was Isaiah's experience. It's just beautiful. He comes into the presence of God. And one of the first things that he notices when he comes into the presence of God, he says, God, my, my thoughts are impure. My, my, my words are impure, Lord God. I need you to deal with what's in my heart. And then God begins to, to deal with his heart. And, 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 and out of that, you know, he begins to say, God, here am I. Send me. We don't come to God with irreverence. We come to God wanting to be right with God. And I know some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Joe, for that reason, I will never experience the glory of God. You, you, you may be saying to yourself, I can never live up to that standard of righteousness. Pastor Joe, easy for you to talk about this, but my hands are dirty. My heart is not pure. My motivations are selfish. That's the, that's the reality of who I am. I've said things and done things which will surely exclude me from the presence of God. And in answer to the question, who can come into the holy place? Some of you might be saying, not me. Listen carefully. The only reason why anyone can come before God is by the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The only reason why we can come into the presence of God is not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Just uh, listening to a message this week and it was very interesting. It was out of Leviticus and he was talking about in the Old Testament, you know, uh, the way they dealt with sin in the Old Testament was different to how we deal with it in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in order to deal with sin, they had to bring a, a sacrifice. They had to bring an animal. The animal had to be pure. The animal had to be perfect in every way. And, and, and as they, they brought this animal before God, it was their sins were almost passed on to the animal and then the animal would be sacrificed and that's how they atoned for their sin. Now, what's really interesting is there and God said, don't bring your worst, bring your best. Um, 
you know, by, by, by the time we get into Malachi, they were bringing, they were looking at, you know, their herd and uh, they were looking at the worst sheep with, uh, you know, the, the one that least, most least likely to survive, the one with not too much meat, no many, not many good chops out of that one there. So that's the one they would bring into the presence of God. What they would bring was a reflection of what was in their heart and how they responded to God. And God said, don't do that, I'm not interested. So God says, listen really carefully, God says, get your best animal and bring it into the presence of God. And then it's the animal that, that will be atoned for your sin. The animal will pay the price for your sin. Now listen really carefully. What God looked at was the animal. God did not look at the person. God looked at the animal. And because the animal was pure, their, 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 their sins were atoned. And all of that was a type of what would happen in the New Testament where Jesus paid the, he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the lamb of God that took away the sin. He was sacrificed. God doesn't look at you and me. He looks at our hearts and we've come before God. We've confessed before God. That's all we can do. But, but God looks at Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Corinthians, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We stand righteous before God, not because of our good acts, but because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The only way we can have clean hands is through Jesus. And that righteousness is not through works, but by the grace of God. In case you're still not convinced, look at verse 6. It says, Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And then there's the word, Selah. And you will, you, you, you will notice that that word comes in right there at the end of that. What does Selah mean? Selah means, in the Amplified Bible, it translates this word. It says, Stop and calmly think about that. So, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. O God of Jacob, stop and calmly think about that. Think about the phrase, the God of Jacob. You know who Jacob was? We've talked about this here in church. Jacob was a schemer, a deceiver, a liar, a cheat. Even had an idol one time. But Jacob had an encounter with the living God. And God appeared to him in a dream. The Bible says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely... The Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's the God of Jacob. And if Jacob could experience the glory of God, that gives hope to all of us. If Jacob could experience the presence of God, that means all of us can. Seller also means to pause and to lift up and begin to praise the Lord. Bible says in the Gospels that one day Jesus went into the temple, got a whip, he began to overturn the tables, threw the money changers around and he said, for my house shall be called a house of prayer. And he began to chase these guys out of the temple. The Bible says in the New Testament that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we read in the Gospels that Jesus purified the temple, we can read it as a historical event or we can see that as a metaphor of our own temples and our own lives. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus came in to our temple, what, what, what would he need to take out of our hearts? I love what David says. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. How do we experience the glory of God? It begins by praising God. And then we purify our hearts before God. 
You know, we pray a simple prayer that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a beautiful prayer to pray as God begins to purify our hearts. And the third thing we need to do is we just need to invite him in. As we worship, as we get our hearts right with God, we need to invite him in. What happened as the Ark of the Covenant was coming into Jerusalem, there was this kind of dialogue between the priests and the gatekeepers. Imagine the Ark of the Covenant being carried by the Levitical priests as they're coming up the hill. Either one person as a soloist or the whole group of priests speak to the gatekeeper. Lift up your heads or your gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. What does it mean, lift up your Heads, oh, you gates. The gates were the entrance to the city. So back in those days, there was a wall built around the city and then there were the main gates. When there was a war, the gates would be open for the returning army to come in. The greater the victory, the higher and the wider the gates would be open. So if the Lord was coming in, it represented by the Ark of the Covenant, they needed to open the gates wide. Enlarge the opening so that the king of glory may come in. The gatekeeper calls back, who is this king of glory? And the priests charm back, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And the gatekeepers call back, who is this king of glory? And they all join in, the Lord almighty, he is the king of glory. If you want to experience the glory of God, we want to experience the presence of God in our lives. It starts with praise. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. You don't have to do penance. You don't have to do so many good works. You don't have to pray, you know, for hours and hours. There's nothing you can do that can bring you into the presence of God in terms of works. There's nothing that we can do in terms of that. How, do, how does it happen? It begins by praise. It just begins by praise. It just begins by worshiping God. Father, I just love you, Lord God. You're an amazing God. Just want to know you in a greater and a deeper. I just worship you, Lord God. I thank you for all the great things you've done in my life. You're an amazing God. You've blessed me beyond anything that I could ever imagine. You've brought me into this country, into this land, into this place. You've blessed me with family and this. Think about all the things that God has done in your life. Begin to praise God. We're such a whinging generation, can I hear an amen? We're such a complaining generation. We're never happy with what we have. We're always looking at everybody else. Oh, look at what they've got. And, oh, they've got a better car and a better... We, we, we're never grateful to God for what God has given you and me. We're whinging and whining about the government, about the taxes, about this, about... The... Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And you know, it's, called, it's, it's cultivating an attitude of thanksgiving and praise. I tell you, if you start to cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. It's an attitude change. It's about changing what we see. And you know, oh, you know my boss and you know, the people at work, I've got to be Monday morning, it's another... Oh, I'm tired of it. 
How about this is the day that the Lord has made? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. How about this is Monday? This is an opportunity to be an example for Jesus Christ. This is an example for me. This is an opportunity for me to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity for me to be a mouthpiece for Jesus Christ. Who knows? Maybe this is the week where God uses these hands to do a miracle in someone's life. Come on, it's an attitude that needs to change in our hearts and life. After wear these masks. Stop worrying about the masks and start to worship God. In the, we're living in a crazy time. It's an amazing time where people are you know, depressed and down and anxious. What an opportunity to be a light in the darkness instead of another whinger in the darkness. We're called to be the light. We're called to be the salt of the earth, not the pepper. We're called to be the salt. Salt makes a difference in whatever it touches. Entering into the presence of God is not difficult. It begins by praise. It starts by recognizing that God is above everything. That it, it begins by giving your life to Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It begins by acknowledging that Jesus is the, is the is Lord of all, that, that God is the creator of the heaven. It begins by praise and it begins by worship. Cultivate an attitude of praise. Cultivate an attitude of worship. It's going to change your life. As we begin to praise and as we begin to worship, the Holy Spirit begins to come and starts to do a work in our lives. And uh, it begins to purify our hearts. Now that's not evil and that's not terrible. We talked a bit about this last week. It's the Holy Spirit who's saying, you know what, Joe, I, I, I see it. I see a version of you that is outstanding and amazing. And says, but in order to become that, we're just going to have to make a few changes. In my case, it's a lot of changes. Can I hear a name? Don't you dare say it. A lot of changes. A lot of changes. But the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in our lives. What's the Holy Spirit's job? The Holy Spirit is job, the main job is to form Christ in you and me. It's, do you think Jesus experienced the glory of God? He experienced the presence and the glory of God every single day, everywhere he went. And the Holy Spirit begins to form Christ in me. He begins to, it begins to shape how I think and how I speak and what I do. And the Holy Spirit starts to say, Joe, we've got to change some things. And it's gentle and it's okay. It's not condemning in any way, shape or form. And the Holy Spirit begins to purify our hearts. And you know, you go to the store and, and you know, you pay for an item and you give them $20 because the item costs $10, but they give you change for a $50 note. What do you do? Do you go, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. <laughs> and do you walk away? Praise be to God. What does, the, what does the little voice of the Holy Spirit say? Just tell them they've given you too much change. As you begin to worship God, you're going to hear that voice more and more in your life. And as you give in to the, that voice that says, tell them it was a 50. It was a 50. <laughs> he gave me a 50. <laughs> and not a 20. He gave me change for 50 bucks. And there's a freedom that comes from that. The freedom that comes. 
We start to become more and more like Jesus. Pastor Joe, I just want more peace, more joy. I just want, I want, I want, I want more of, hey, the more we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives, the more we become like Jesus, the more we experience what Jesus experienced. I tell you, our families will be different. Marriages will be different. We'll be better employees. We will be better employees as we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts and lives. And then we need to open the door of our hearts and just let him in. Holy Spirit is saying to us, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And we respond. It's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, lift up your heads. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And we respond, who is this King of glory? And the Holy Spirit says, he's the creator of the earth. He's the Lord, strong and mighty. He's the one who can help you fight your battles. He's the victorious one. He's your healer, redeemer. He's the one who loves you. He's the one who can set you free. He's the one who thinks the world of you. He's the one who's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not an accident. He's the one who wants to speak a word into your heart. He's the one who wants to do something in your life that is going to blow your mind. So lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. The question is, are we going to let him in? Jesus is at the door saying, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And Jesus is knocking at the door. I want to catch up with you for a coffee. Let's do lunch together. Are we going to let him in? Holy Spirit is saying today, lift up your gates. Open the door. Just let him in. Your life will be completely transformed. One of the ways that we experience the glory of God is through worship. How do we experience the glory of God for ourselves? Starts by praising. Be a worshiper. Pastor Joe, is it okay to listen to worldly music? Great question been asked for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. It's not a sin to listen to worldly music. But you know, why, why listen to something that's going to take you in another direction when you can listen to worship music that's going to bring you into the presence of God? Nothing like some good worship to deal with those Monday blues. Begin with praise. Purify your heart. Open the doors of your heart and let him in. And God's presence comes as we begin to worship and praise God. Maybe this morning, like Jehoshaphat, you're in a battle. You're in a fight. You're in a fight. It's not a physical fight, but you know it's a battle. It's a battle in your marriage. It's a battle in your family. It's a fight. You know that it's a fight. Why don't you begin to worship the Lord? Pastor Joe, I've got no idea what to do. I've got no idea how to solve this. i just got no idea. I just need God to intervene. Why don't you begin to worship? Why don't you begin to worship the Lord? Maybe like Paul and Silas, you're in a prison. Maybe you're in a, a prison um, of, of, of fear, a prison of depression, a prison of an addiction that you can't seem to get out of or break. There's no way out of this. I'm in a prison. Maybe you're held captive by anxiety and fear and held captive by 
by depression, why not like Paul and Silas, just begin to worship the Lord? Come on, why not begin to worship the Lord? Begin to glorify God. Like the church in Acts, you need a word. Just wish God would speak to me. Just begin to worship. As they worshipped and, and prayed and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Maybe like the people of Israel, you need to take back some territory. Or like Jonah, you're in the belly of a whale, just waiting to die. Why don't you begin to worship? Because worship is the way that leads us to the presence of God and the glory. Would you stand with me? I'm just going to finish off with a bit of worship. Amen? We've, we've done the theory now. That's the theory. Now we're going to do the practical, okay? We've already done some practical. But I want you to worship differently. I want you to worship differently. I want you to start to worship in faith. I, w- I want you to begin to think about some of those issues you might be facing in your life. And I, I want you to begin to worship and say, God, by your grace and by your glory, you're going to see me through in the name of Jesus. Come on, Chris, lead us in worship. We're going to sing a little bit more, but there may be some of you, as I was speaking about battles, as I was speaking about prisons, for you, that's not just theory or just theology or just a verse. For some of you, it's reality. It's what you're experiencing every day, every single week, in your mind, in your heart, in your family. And I just want to encourage you. I just felt before there might be some of you who, who want to come here and just stand at the altar. And w- w- why is this important? Because it's, a, it's, it's an act of faith. It's a point of contact. It's saying, God, you know, I don't know what else to do, but I'm just going to worship in your presence and believe that as I begin to worship, something's going to shift and something's going to change. We're not going to pray for people individually, but you know, if you want to come and and just stand in the presence of God here and begin to worship and say, God, I I just need you. I need you. I, 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 I need you. I got nowhere else to go. No one else to go to. Nowhere else to turn. I just need you. And if that's you, I want you to just come. Maybe you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Why don't you let him in today? He's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, come on, let, let me in. Let's do lunch together. Why don't you invite him to be your Lord and Savior today? Just come. Let's sing together. Sing, we love you. We love you, Lord.